As a person who loves history, I've always believed that you won't know where you're going and you may not know who you are if you don't know where you've come from. Today's Scandinavian societies are founded on legends and traditions about good and evil, power and intrigue that date back well before Christianity was introduced there a thousand years ago. And yet these ancient Norse myths still resonate for modern-day Swedes and Norwegians. To introduce us to the wild and wonder-filled mythology of the Norse, we're joined now by tour guides Paul Johansson, he's from Oslo in Norway, and Håkan Franden, he's from Stockholm in Sweden. Gentlemen, welcome back to Travel with Rick Steves. Tack. 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 Paul, when you're in Norway and, you know, helping Americans better understand your culture, does the Norse mythology even matter to you as a teacher of Norwegian culture? Oh, it, uh, it definitely does. Mm-hmm. And um, especially when I, I talk about the Vikings, because mm-hmm. they had such a strong belief in the Norse gods. So to be able to understand the, the kind of the mentality of the Vikings, you have to know something about uh, the northern Norse mythology. So if you think of very devout Christians, you could actually have similarly devout pagans on the Viking ships following the stories of their religion. Yes, you can, for sure, for sure. Um, and also, when, when we visit stave churches, for example, there are many many of uh, like the old symbols, like the snakes and so on, even though it's a, it's a church. Uh, so these are the, um, the Vikings wooden churches that you yeah, find in the Norway, Vi- these iconic Norwegian churches yeah. that go back a thousand years. So you find the, the Viking designs and mythological themes yeah. incorporated into their their new Christianity. Yeah, you do because there was a there was a transition here, right? From going from the Norse mythology to Christianity. Well, in Norway, doesn't that define the beginning of the modern age or the end of the ancient world? Or what is that the the transition from pagan? Well, I guess that's when we stop being uh, barbarians and and and, uh, and traveling around the world and uh, raping, b- raping and pillaging. <laughs> uh, we became a bit more uh, civilized. Uh, what century would that have been? Oh, that would be back in the. Um, 11th uh, century, more so th- or less. A thousand yeah, years ago. A thousand years ago. You Norwegians have come a long way in a thousand years. Uh, I would say so. Yeah. In the area of yeah. civilization. Yeah. Thank uh, you for doing that, <laughs> <You're> <laughs> by <welcome>. the way. <laughs> because I know there was a time when, when you were the frightening force coming down from there the north. There certainly was. And, um, but I also warn my tour members sometime that uh, you have to behave. If not, uh, the Viking in me might come out. Oh, so the Viking still survives in your DNA. Yeah, yeah, sure it does. All right. Now, Hakan from Sweden. Of course, Sweden and Norway are two Two different cultures. Uh, there's a lot of similarities, of course, but as a teacher and a guide, what does Norse mythology matter to you as you teach? It matters to me when I go to places like uh, old Uppsala, which was the place where they used to, where the old pagan temple was, where they sacrificed to the gods in the past, and where that temple was when Christianity, which you spoke about, took over. They built a church right at the place where the sacrifices had taken place to show that there was a new religion having taken over. And the new religion adopted a lot from the old religion. So Christmas to us. In Sweden today, there's very few people who think about Jesus Christ on Christmas. Mm -hmm. It's just as much an old pagan Tradition. So what's an example of something pagan about the way you celebrate Christmas? Well, for example, just the Norwegian word for Christmas, for example, is Yule. Right. And the Swedish also. Also Yule. the Swedish okay. and the Danish, yeah. And there was a midwinter um, sacrifice that the Vikings had, a blut, which they call it, where, mm-hmm. it's where you have blood from. And the midwinter sacrifice, the word for that one was Yule. 
and we have Yule. And Yule is Christmas. Yule is mm-hmm. good so Yule. Good Yule. Yeah. Good Yule, you say. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Good Yule. Yeah. And Merry Midwinter Sacrifice. Oh. <laughs> Merry Midwinter Sacrifice. That's what it is. That's what it is. If you were a, a pagan a Norwegian coming back after being frozen in a glacier for a yeah. thousand years, you're just going to go, what? Merry Mid- Midwinter Sacrifice. Well, whatever. Now, Hakan, if you lived uh, over a thousand years ago in Sweden and you were a devout pagan, how would you imagine the creation of the world? Do you want a long or a short version? Uh, very short. <laughs> very short. Because Norse mythology is pretty complicated. I shall just give you a little example of how complicated it is. Night gave birth to Earth. Earth was the daughter of night together with Arnon. And she had day with Delling and she had sun and moon with Mundilfarn. So that means that Earth is, wait a minute here now, Earth is the half-sister of day, sun, and moon, and the daughter of night. And Earth is also the first wife of Odin, king of the gods. And with Odin, she had the sun, Thor. Crystal clear, wouldn't you say? This sounds like some sort of a <laughs> yeah. soap opera of the second right. world. <laughs> yeah. All sorts of people um, having children with each other. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's a complicated family. Yeah. There were a lot of them who had children lot, within the family. A lot of yes, intrigue, right. a lot of drama. A actually. lot of intrigue and drama. So, and is it essentially the same in Norway and Sweden back then? Yeah. 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 But that is just to give you an idea of how complex it is. So if I shall describe how the universe was created, I have to do it in a very, very simple way. Is that okay? Yes, please do. First, there was ice and fire, nothing else. But then sparks from the fire hit the ice, and from the melting ice, two creatures were born. There was a giant that they called Troll in Norway. His mm. name was Ymir, and there was a cow. So now there's a cow and there's a giant. The giant starts to give birth to other giants. The giants, the troll, are horrible beings. Mm-hmm. He gives birth from his armpits. The cow licks on the eyes, and out of the eyes comes a god named Bore, King Bore. We call him, that's winter today. That's the first of the gods. Okay, so now there's a giant who gives birth to giants and there's a god named Bore who begins to give birth to, together with his wife, who is also a giant, gives birth to the gods. And all of a sudden there's a lot of gods and the most important is Odin. And he hates the giants, so he decides to kill Ymir, who gives birth to the giants. He does that and from Ymir's body he builds the whole universe. Everything you see around you is Ymir. Rocky Mountains is Ymir's bones. Earth is his flesh. The sky that you see above you is his skull. The sparks from the fire were thrown up, became the stars, and Odin had two cousins that he disliked because they, their father was so proud of them. So he threw them up into the sky. That was sun and moon. And he condemned them to be chased over the sky until the end of time by two wolves. And out of the earth grew a tree, Yggdrasil, the world tree, In the branches of the tree, kingdoms grew up. Almost finished now. (laughs) The giants live in Jotunheim, the gods live in Asgard, and man lives in Midgard. Mm -hmm. And the rest of history is a constant struggle between 
giants and gods, between good and evil, uh, mm-hmm. until the end of time. And end of time is coming. So Winter w- is coming. That wove the community together back then when life was so mysterious and filled with superstition. And it sounds like these people were eating a lot of rotten shark and then hallucinating. You say superstition. Yeah. <laughs> you say superstition. Yeah. This was a religion. <laughs> that, was, that was a what? That, it was a religion. It was a religion. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Come on. This is how the universe was created. <laughs> now, in Norway, do, do you learn this in school? How, how do you know all of this? Um, yes, you learn it in school. Uh, I even had it as a main subject back in high school. Is that right? Learning okay. about the gods and interpretations. Now, Hakan uh, mentioned uh, Jotunheim. When you travel in Norway, you come to a place called Jotunheim. Yeah, we call it Jotunheimen, which, was, um, which is the home of the giants. And it would be on the top of the mountains, the most dramatic place. The most dramatic place. Oh, man, this is... So when you know a little bit about this, I think your sightseeing comes to life when you're in Sweden or in Norway. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about Norse mythology. We're joined by Håkon Franden from the Kingdom of Sweden, and we're joined by Paul Johansson from the Kingdom of Norway. (laughs) Uh, And you're both still kingdoms, but of course, that's a whole different story. Constitutional monarchs. Now, Paul, if you lived a thousand years ago in Norway and were a good pagan... Which god would you respect the most? Well, I can uh, just go back to my childhood because there was a god back then that was very important to me, and that was Thor. I knew he was going to say <laughs> Thor. <laughs> Thor, okay. Thor with the hammer. You know, he yeah. would, he's because he's kind of like a, like a superhero, you could say. You know, he super god. He's the yeah, god of the he gods. He fits in the same category with Superman and Spider Man, and uh, okay. And for me, he was a very important god. He had his hammer, Mjolnir. Yeah. which uh, he would hit everything he threw it at. He rode across the sky with his chariot and his two goats. He ate the goats every evening and then collected their bones in, in their own skin, and they would uh, resurrect the next day. You know, I think I've seen uh, images of that at the city hall in Oslo. Yeah, that's They've right. they got those beautiful yeah. carved wooden painted panels. Mm-hmm. That's gorgeous. True. Yeah. Now, Tor is a big deal, and you've even got a day named after Tor, Day of yeah. the Week. That is uh, in Nor- Torsdag. In Norwegian, Torsdag. Mm-hmm. And Thursday. In Thursday English. in English. Yeah. And so, Torsdag in Swedish. And in Swedish. And as then well. on Friday is uh, another Norse god. That's uh, Frigg. Frigg. Yeah, uh, which was the wife of Odin. So Friday, and do we even have. Is Wednesday an old direct? When Wednesday comes from Odin. Odin's, Odin's day. Odin's Un, Unstag so in Norwegian. Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday come mm-hmm. from Norse gods. Yeah. I didn't. A lot of people don't realize that. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Hakan Franden from Sweden and Paul Johansson from Norway. We're talking about Norsk mythology. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. Christine's calling in from Evans in Georgia. Christine, thanks for joining us. Uh, hi, Rick. Hey, Khan and Paul. I just had a question about um, how we can best include Norwegian culture in North mythology for our young daughters when we take our first family trip to Norway that's coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Is your family Norwegian? So my great-grandparents are from, uh, I'll pronounce it wrong, but uh, Asaral and Fjotland, um, Fjotland? in Norway. <laughs> Sedestal Valley, is that? Oh, Sedestal. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Sedestal. Yeah, that's a nice place, yeah. Okay, so uh, Christine's going to try to introduce her kids to their Norwegian heritage. Mm -hmm. How can they incorporate some of this? Well, are you going to travel to Oslo? Yes, so we'll go to Oslo, Bergen, and Kristiansand, but we won't have too much time because it's on a cruise ship. So in Oslo, there are several good ways to encounter some of the Norse mythology. For example, you can go out and explore the Viking Ship Museum, which is very, very interesting. 
And there's also a folk museum there, not far from the Viking Ship Museum, where you can actually find an old stave church, which are old wooden church that dates all the way back to the Viking Age. It's kind of like that Norwegian wooden Gothic. Yeah, that's true. And we also have a Viking exhibition at the historical uh, museum that you can go and, and mm-hmm. check out. Beautiful Viking um, art carved into some of the... Uh, ships and the and, oh, yeah. and the gear with the ships. The, yeah. the Viking Ship Museum has a lot of wagons and belt buckles mm-hmm. and a lot, a lot of artifacts. these artifacts that they found on the ship. Yeah. They're still there. Yeah. Now when Christine's in Setestal Valley, this is one of the most traditional places. Mm-hmm. You have a chance to see some I think she will find a stave church uh, there as well actually. Mm-hmm. And that's your best shot to seeing more of the of the Norse mythology and uh, things from the Viking age, uh, you could say. She wants to have feed her kids something extremely traditional to eat while they're going out to Sittestal <laughs> Valley. What would that be, Paul? Uh, some uh, lefse, for example. Yeah. Just this potato tortilla, <laughs> sort <laughs> potato of. Potato tortilla, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very typical. Some lefse and, uh, with some butter and some, some sugar on it and some cinnamon. Oh. Yeah. Have you done good. that here, Christine, already with your kids? Lefse? Um, no, we haven't. Have we some haven't. lefse. And then when I was a child and I visited my relatives in Norway... We went to Tonsberg, which mm-hmm. is like one of the historic cities, yep. and we went to an old medieval kind of fort, and we had Romagrot. Romagrot, ah, oh, yeah. Rom, tell so, about Romagrot. So Romagrot is sour cream porridge, mm, and it's it's delicious. We we eat it actually with some sugar and cinnamon and some butter, and also with salty meat on the side. Oh, with salty, so it can be a savory thing as well as a dessert. Oh, it, oh yeah, yeah it's, it's, it can be a full dinner. Meal. And in, then you have the flat bread. In fact, my son was just sailing with you on he the fjord, was. and he said you ate porridge all the time. Porridge every morning. <laughs> <laughs> so, Christine, be sure to introduce your kids to, say it again, Paul. Römegröt. Römegröt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try to remember that. Uh, do, you, do you also have any recommended books of, like, Norwegian folktales or Norse folktales that we can uh, read before the trip? You'll, I mean, get, you'll get a lot of them at every site. Yeah. When you go to Big Doy, the museums, yeah. and when you're in Oslo. Go to, go to a good bookstore in Oslo, and you can find... Uh, there's one book that I bought that uh, was in English, and it's, it's just called Norwegian Folk Tales. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what company got it, but that's, that's a very good one. So try to search for that one on the internet, Norwegian Folk Tales. Okay. So it's very okay. good. Yeah. Christine, thanks for your call. Thank you so okay. much. Best wishes on your trip. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye, Rick. Paul, when you think about these gods, when you spoke of Odin, it just felt like you really had an appreciation of this god. Tell us more about Odin. Yeah, so Odin, he was the god of all gods. The normal people normally wouldn't worship Odin. He was more a a god for the kings and and the chieftains. I know a lot of Americans, they already heard about Valhalla. Yeah. Yeah, which is the the hall of the warriors where Odin sits and and he's the king of that hall. Is that kind of like heaven if you're a Norwegian pagan? It is. Kind of, yes, it is. It's where the fiercest warriors, they oh. will come to Valhalla. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge hall. It has 540 gates. 800 men can pass through each gate at the same time. And there's a huge pig that they sacrifice um, every evening. So they have a big feast. And then the next day, the pig lives again. They re-eat the same pig. All yeah. these. And these are uh, heroes. Are they all men? I, mean, I don't hear any women discussed. They are all men. 
in Valhalla, supposedly there are only only men. Yeah. So uh, where are the women? But there are also halls for the women. Ah, okay. Yeah, uh, like uh, Odin's wife, Frigg, she has a, a hall uh, as well. Frigg, and oh, she's got a day named after her, so that's uh, yeah, that's a good does, thing. Yeah. Tuesday also is after a god that is after Tyr, the ah, warrior tyr. god. Tyrstag. Now, Håkan, I love the way you seem to be able to go back in time and recount history from a pagan point of view. If we're thinking about the end of the world... It is coming. Winter is coming. (laughs) Tell me about this. Uh, 1,200 years ago in Sweden, we're wrapped in animal skins. Yeah, but it it has not yet come. Okay. You must understand that, first of all, we're talking about Ragnarök, the end of the world. Ragnarök. And it will come. Winter is coming. There will be a Fimble winter that is going to be a three-year winter when Yggdrasil, the world tree will freeze. Uh, three years in a row without three summer, with no spring. Anyone who's seen Game of Thrones has heard the expression, winter is coming. That's what is coming. No spring, only winter. The world tree will freeze, and the final battle between giants and gods will take place, and it's going to be a fantastic battle. I'm not going to go into details, but it has an, a very un-American ending, because almost everybody dies. Almost. It's not Almost. a typical Hollywood ending. There's no, no, no ending. it's not. <laughs> Almost everybody dies, but not quite all. Balder, that is our Jesus Christ, right. has died already, but he will now return from the kingdom of the dead. And when everybody's dead on the battlefield and the world is in flames, the female gods survived. Nordic mythology is a bit feministic. The female gods survived. And Balder survives, and some more. And they sail away on a flying ship called Skidbladner <laughs> that Frey had in his pocket, and one of the survivors took it out, and they flew away. It's like at the end of the story of the ring, the yeah, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings yeah. Yeah. when the survivors fly away. Mm-hmm. Skidbladner disappears, and the world goes under. The earth sinks, and the, world, the universe, Yggdrasil, Yggdrasil, the universe, is on fire. Some years later, they come back, and Earth has come up again. This is a version of Noah's Ark in Nordic mythology. And they start a new kingdom with Balder as king, and there will be a thousand-year reign with peace and prosperity. Mm. Mm-hmm. And after that, nobody can tell. I love those connections, <laughs> like the, the pagan version of Noah's Ark and this sort of thing. Yeah. Hakan, I was with you at the ancient birthplace of the Swedish nation. Gamla Uppsala. Gamla Uppsala. Mm. And we found a runestone, mm. you remember? And you read that runestone to me. Yes. And it showed a little bit of personality. Can you describe that? Well, to start with, let me say, Heimdall taught man the secret of the runes. Here on my ring, I have runes. So runes are um, little slashes on a rock that was a, a primitive alphabet, so that's, people could mm-hmm. communicate. That's the alphabet. Heimdall taught man the runes. Here it says Ulva, that means she-wolf. Oh, look at and that. And that is the name of my wife. So runestones you find all over Sweden, Mm -hmm. and especially around Stockholm. That's the rune-richest area in the world. And just so people know, these are 1,000-year-old stones Mm. that are stuck in the ground like a tombstone, Mm. and they have a border going around the whole edge, which is hashed, and you can actually read into that if you're an archaeologist. Yeah, we can read them. We learned that in school. What's an example of one that we might be able to read? I remember I showed you a runestone on which it said, Narve, he had this runestone carved in memory of himself while he was still alive. And reading a runestone like that, you come back in time, it tells you something about this guy. 
he probably did not have all that many friends. He didn't think that anybody was going to make a rune stone in memory of him. To be on the safe side, yeah. he made a memory of himself while he was still alive. And mm -hmm. today, a thousand years later, we read about him. Yeah. He's remembered. Yeah. He will never be forgotten. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. little intimate insight into the personality and the insecurities mm -hmm. of a man in Sweden a thousand years ago. It humanizes it the, the pagan world. These were humans, of course. That's right. <laughs> and they were made by Odin. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking about Norse mythology and how we can get an insight into these cultures by being tuned into it. We're joined by Håkon Franden from Sweden and Paul Johansson from Norway. Our phone number is 877-333-7425. And Ken's calling in from British Columbia. Ken, thanks for your call. Hello, thanks for taking my call, Rick. And hello to Paul and Hakan. Hello. Hey. I'm uh, just partway into planning a trip through the Baltic region. And, of course, I'm going to hit Norway and Sweden. And I just had a question for you on the mythology, because there's kind of an Internet-famous picture that you always see of the Trollatunga. And I'm going to pronounce it wrong, but it's uh, the Kriag Bolton. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering if you know any of the specific mythology around those two sites. And then I had another question a little bit afterwards about um, the actual pagan religion there. Paul? Well, um, I don't know. Have you seen the movie The Troll Hunter? I haven't, but I've heard of it. You should see it. Uh, it's, a, it's a good way to research about uh, the trolls in, uh, in Norway and Sweden. The thing with the trolls is that um, they could not stand daylight. When they were out in the daylight, if the sun came up, they would turn into stone. So there's this uh, myth that uh, a lot of the mountains in, uh, in Norway, they're actually just made out of trolls who didn't get into their cave in time. And that's why you have this uh, troll tunga, which means the um, tongue of the troll. They kind of think that's, that was a troll standing. The sun came up, he had his tongue out, and it adapted that, uh, that name. That's the story behind it. So very literal then in that sense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is. And then, like, I'm from British Columbia in Canada here, and we do have a Native American population up here that still practices their religion. Would you find that in Norway and Sweden? Would you find that there is a local population that still practices the mythology or the, the pagan religion there actively? Well, actually, no, you wouldn't. Very uh, rarely. Very rarely. I know there's a, there's a community in Norway that still um, worships the, the old Norse gods, and, and they're recognized as a community. They even uh, receive some money from the state. But this is a very marginalized part of the, of the population. In Håkon, in Sweden? Well, people who worship Norse mythology in Sweden today would be considered right-wing extremists close to fascists who want to go back in history to the great days when we were the great Vikings. Make Sweden great again. Make it great again. And, and we, are, we, yeah. we, we are not great. We, we, we're just kind nowadays. <laughs> just, Don't worry about is, us at all. That's so untour-like. You're just kind. Yes. <laughs> Ken, thank you for your call. Thank you very much, Ray. Take care. Well, on that note, it is just so interesting to get a little glimpse. And uh, when, you, when you think about the heritage that Norway and Sweden has, going back far longer than a lot of people recognize, mm. can we just close this conversation with, with some sense of how that contributes to who Norwegians and Swedes are today? Paul from Norway? 
Well, I think this is interesting because, um, especially during the 19th century, during the National Romantic uh, period in um, in Norway, um, a lot of, especially the creations of the trolls and uh, and these things, they had a kind of a, a, a renaissance. Uh, the resurgence of Norwegian yeah, nationalism. Yeah, when, yeah. When we were looking for what typical Norwegians, mm. trolls were a part of that. Yeah. Yeah, and and played a huge deal uh, that way. Like in many countries, they yeah. would dig into their mythological past to give them legitimacy. Exactly. Hakan, thinking about the rich heritage and history that Sweden has, today, is there anything that uh, this Norse mythology contributes to the Swedish character, would you say? Yes. I think that we have a very strong feeling for protecting environment, which is a part of Norse mythology, to take care of the land. To be close to the land. I, I'm thinking about when I grew up, we had a, the Tomten living in our farm. Mm -hmm. We took care of the farm because otherwise we knew that he was going to be mad at us. A little mythological creature. Yes, Out the Tomten the barn, yeah. is like a gnome, a gnome yeah. uh, who probably is the first farmer who once broke the land where your farm is. He's buried under a mound on the farm. He doesn't let go. He stays and keeps looking after the farm, and you better take care of it, or otherwise he's going to be angry with you. So uh, centuries of farmers on that same place have respected that. Centuries. Mm -hmm. And every Yule... Every Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> we would put out porridge with butter to the Tomten. We knew that otherwise he would be mad. He could kill off livestock. Yeah. He, and well, you've got to take care of your gnomes. I, I, yeah, I heard uh, of a maid who ate the porridge of the Tomten, and the next day she was found beaten almost lifeless by Tomten, who, who has magical powers. Mm -hmm. So there's a saying after that, and that is that if you eat the porridge of Tomten, you have to dance with him. Oh. And you don't want to dance with You don't, want, don't want to dance with Tomten. Dance with Tomten. <laughs> On that note, I want to thank both of you very much for enlightening us to the mystical past of Norwegian and Swedish culture. Paul Johansson and Håkon Vranden, Tusen Tak. 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 Each year, Rick Steves Tour Guides take thousands of free-spirited travelers on escorted tours through Europe, one small group at a time. This year, you can choose from more than 40 different vacations in Europe's best destinations, from Ireland to Greece, and practically everywhere in between. Begin your next trip at ricksteves.com. <laughs>